Welcome, everybody. I get 20 minutes to share our vision. And I just want to say that it's not our vision, it's, it's God's vision. We're seeking to find what God's vision is, is for our church. And I'm going to try to just lay that out in the next 20 minutes. So very quickly, go to your Bibles, to Matthew 28. If you have a blue Bible like mine, this is found on page 811. You guys sit for my words, but stand for God's words, so let's stand. The heading in my Bible for these verses reads, The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's word. You guys can be seated. I'm going to cut to the bottom line here, okay? I get 20 minutes. We are a sent people. In other words, if you right now belong to Jesus, you do not exist for yourself. You do not exist for your clan. You do not exist for your tribe. If you belong to Jesus, you do not exist to make a life for yourself. You do not exist to possess more or to become more. If you belong to Jesus, you don't exist to make money. You don't exist to win games or go to games. You don't exist to achieve success. You don't exist to buy homes and cars and go on good vacations. It's not why you exist. If you belong to Jesus, you exist for him. To love him with all your heart and to reflect him to the world. We exist for the purpose of the great commandment, which is to love God with everything we have, and for the purpose of the great commission, which Jesus just laid out, to go and love our neighbor. I'll bring you back to when we did that God of the City series And uh, Jeremiah 29 became a key text for us. Because in that text, God's people have been exiled to Babylon. And if you remember, Babylon, the name itself means chaos. And it's the Bible's metaphor for the kingdom of darkness. And when God's people are there, they're kind of wondering, okay, now what do we do? And they're probably thinking that surely God is going to restore us to our land. So they think, maybe we just need to wait around here. But then Jeremiah the prophet comes along, and he basically says this. He says, look, you guys are going to be here for a while. Don't live on the fringe. Don't settle on the outskirts, where you can kind of just 
circle the wagons and keep Babylon out, what he says is, go. He says, I want you to move in. All the way in. I want you to set up shop in Babylon. And I want you to seek the shalom of Babylon. I want you to pray for the shalom and prosperity of Babylon. And see, what God is calling them to be is exactly what God called them to be when they were in the land, to be a kingdom of priests in the kingdom of Babylon. Because God's people have been blessed to bless. They've been changed to change. They've been transformed to transform. They've been adopted to adopt. They've been redeemed to redeem. And here's the deal. You and I live in Babylon today. We live in a place of chaos. We live in a world that is broken in every way. God is calling us to the same thing. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is this, this city set on a hill that we're called to be, it's a, it's a city that is distinctive in every way. And the way in which it's distinctive is it's Jesus-like distinctive. It's distinctive in the way we use sex and the way we use money and the way we use power, where we don't use these things for ourselves, but we use these things to serve the people around us. We're a city where the, where the people amongst us always have a towel in their hands. We're just ready to serve. We're ready to wash feet. We're ready to give our lives up for the sake of others. We're a city where the widow, where the orphan, where the poor find refuge. Where the weak find strength. Where the guilty and those full of shame find grace and forgiveness. Most importantly, we are a city where God is and where God dwells and where the people of the world can come and find God. And see, God says, once I see that city, then I push that city into Babylon. I push it right into the heart so that my shalom can bring peace to those in chaos. That's the call. God wants two cities in every city. He wants his city, the city of God, to be in the heart of the city of man. That's his vision. Now, what's the basis of this call? I mean, what's, what's driving it? What's behind it? Why? Well, if you look at our text, you know, in most of the Bible, the Trinity is in the background, but here we see that the Trinity is in the foreground because it says, I want you to go and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now listen, there there are two facts about the Christian God that in my mind are just unparalleled. The first is the doctrine of the Trinity. Because the Trinity gets at the heart of what Christians believe about God. The second is that our God 
stoops. I mean, no other religion believes in a God who stoops, a God who enters human history in such a vulnerable, personal way. And both of these awesome truths are right here in our text. When it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's the Trinity. Now, in the name of. Remember, names in the Bible are more than just labels. Names spell out one's very essence. So when God says, if you build me a tabernacle, I'll place my name there, God isn't saying, okay, you build that thing and I'll just put a label on that thing. But God says, you build me that tabernacle and I'll, I'll put my essence there. My glory will be there. Or when God says to his people, when the priest bless, blesses you, like we do almost every Sunday at the end, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and, and, and people receive that, God promises, I'm going to put my name on them. It's not just a label, but it's the essence of God. Now look at verse 19. It's not names in plural. It's one name It's one essence, it's one God, but it's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. And J.I. Packer says this about the Trinity. He says, the Trinity confronts us with perhaps the most difficult thought a human mind has ever been asked to handle. And I say amen to that. It's mind-boggling. But he says, it's easily the most majestic. Because what the Trinity means is that God in his essence is not alone. That within the being of God, there's there's relationship. There's this community of persons who are not seeking their own glory, but they are constantly, selflessly bringing glory to one another. They're exalting and adoring each other. So just think about that. That what lies at the heart of God, and for that matter, at the heart of the universe, is this circle of shared, other-centered life. And this has been going on in the Trinity since the world began. You know what it produces? Joy. Explosive joy. Because just ask yourself right now, when... Have you been the happiest? Well, it's probably when someone adores you. Or when you adore someone who adores you. It's when you are in true community where you are known and you're knowing others, where you're loved and you're loving others. And see, this is only a dim hint of the happiness that exists in God. Because throughout all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been perfectly adoring one another, producing this nuclear explosion of joy. And see, that's the meaning of the universe, because the universe was basically created out of this explosion of inner joy, the inner joy of God. And God is saying, let me share. Let's create. Let's, 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 let's share this. Let's bring Let's bring humans into this. So in Genesis 1 and 2, 
The world had this. It says Adam and Eve walked with God. When Genesis 3, the world lost all of this. Earth lost heaven. We lost the garden, the environment for which we were made. We lost God. We lost not just a force, but we lost the Father. We lost his pleasure. We lost the family of the Trinity. We lost joy. Humanity became diseased with the spiritual cancer of sin. The whole universe became infected and sick. And I have this weird combination in my own life right now because I was a youth pastor for 10 years and now I'm in my, or approaching my mid-40s. And then add... <laughs> See, I was honest that time, Greg. I used to say in my mid-30s when I was in my, you know, like 40, 41, and Greg always calls me on it, so. But being a youth pastor for 10 years, and then this thing called Facebook, which I don't have, but my wife has it, it puts me in touch with things. It puts me in touch with things like Pat Dubal, one of my best friends in ministry, when I was a 25-year-old, and he was a 45-year-old, and he was a mentor to me, and my right-hand man, it puts me in touch when he loses his son to a tragic accident. It puts me in touch with, with Kara Thulis, who used to sit in my youth group, and she was this intelligent, pretty, capable girl that I always thought, what is she doing here? She's way too good for us. Now she's facing a deadly form of cancer with her husband and two little kids. We live in a world of chaos, in a fallen world. But listen to me. God did not give up on the world he made. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. God humbled himself. God stooped down, the son left the father and came to the neighborhood to heal us and the world of the disease, heaven came to earth. And see, what Jesus came to do is to undo everything that went wrong in Genesis 3 because he took upon himself the spiritual cancer of sin and all its effects by living the life that you and I were supposed to live, dying the death that we deserve to die, and he exchanged his perfect, righteous life for our filthy rags so we could be called the, the righteousness of God. And why did he do this? See, so many Christians today think that, that Jesus just came to the world to save a few souls and take them to heaven. I say, are you kidding me? I mean, shame on us for thinking so selfishly. Well, he saved me. Now all I get to do is live my life and wait around for heaven. We've been blessed to bless. We have been saved to save. We've been redeemed to redeem. In fact, Israel's problem in the Old Testament was not that she stopped going to church and that she stopped worshiping God. It wasn't that she stopped praying and seeking God. Her problem is that she forgot her mission. She forgot that her mission in this world was to be a kingdom of priests, a city on a hill reflecting God to the world. And she existed for herself. 
me and God, God and me. Like, listen to what Isaiah says. This is Isaiah starts his whole prophecy with. And this is from the message, Eugene Peterson, his version. Quit. These are the words of God. Quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games. Monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, religion, religion. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I will not be listening. And do you know why? Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. And go to bat for the defenseless. Or I can take you to Isaiah 58, where God says, this is the kind of fast day that I'm after to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, to cancel the debts. What I'm interesting, interested in seeing you do as my people is to share your food with the hungry, to invite the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be on your rear guard. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called a repairer of the walls, restorer of the streets and dwellings. If you haven't heard anything I've said this morning, hear this. Crossroads as a church does not exist for itself. We don't exist to build buildings and conduct worship services and to take offerings and fill chairs and pay bills. Crossroads isn't even here to become a great church. Crossroads doesn't exist for Crossroads. Crossroads exists for the city of Grand Rapids. We exist to be a city set on a hill to put God on display for this city to see and know God. We do. You know what's so exciting about this? Not because we're so good. And because we have the resources to do this, because we don't. But Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Think about that. Basically what Jesus is saying is this, I'm king of the world. What's assumed here? Well, you're not the king of the universe unless you made the universe. See, the creator is the king and the king is the creator. So if... You made the world. Don't you think you'd care about the world you made? And see, what God is doing in Jesus is cosmic. And shame on us for thinking it's so small and puny. 
God in Jesus is doing a lot more than saving a few souls. He's going to redeem and restore every inch of the world he's made. And see, when God made the world the first time, the king of the universe unleashed his kingdom into the tohu ve bohu, that formless void, and out of that chaos came what? Shalom. And we're going to study Matthew's gospel. We're going to see that Jesus came to launch something cosmic. He came to launch new creation. Please connect the Great Commission with what just happened. Resurrection. That's what God came for in Jesus. God's space is now entering our space to redeem it. And the glory of God will cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. So when Jesus calls us to go, this is the most exciting thing in the universe that's going on right now. It's called the kingdom of heaven. He's calling us to participate in his new creation project. Because of time, I'm just going to leave it at this. One of the primary ways in which we participate in this is through prayer. Because prayer is the way that we partner with the God of the universe and the way the kingdom of heaven is unleashed in earth. We pray. We pray for shalom. We pray for our city. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for the kingdom of heaven. We pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus did not teach us, God, would you save a few souls? But no, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're not asking for people to just go up to heaven, but we're asking for heaven to come down and redeem earth. That starts with souls. Because this cosmic thing that God is doing in Christ becomes very personal. He is reconciling me and you to himself. Heaven is coming to me. New creation comes to me. Resurrection comes to me. This is why the Son left the Father and came across all worlds. It is to bring a fallen race back to the Father, the Father for which we are made. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus came to this world to find lost sons and daughters who are estranged and orphaned and to bring them back to his family, to the Father. And this is why the text says, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This baptizing in, this is not just a formality. This is not just putting a label called Christian on people. The word in Greek for in is into. We're being baptized into the essence, God, the Trinity. The Father. Whether you know this or not today, you have been made for your Father and for his love. And Jesus came to bring you back. Our method, 
in all of this is Jesus' method. And all I can do right now is whet your appetite, but I'm okay with that because we're going to study this in great detail as we go through the book, Gospel of Matthew. But you need to know right now that Jesus had a method. Jesus had a strategy. And his strategy was not making converts. His strategy was go and make disciples. What's a disciple? (laughs) Well, I'll take the answer to that question from the text. Jesus says, teaching them to obey. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. A disciple is someone who takes in every word of Jesus and obeys him. A disciple is someone who lives with the master. A disciple is someone who learns from the master, who serves the master, who becomes like the master, who identifies with the master, who represents the master, who does the master's work. That's a disciple. Are you a disciple? Do you live with Jesus? Every waking moment of every day? Are you learning from Jesus? Do you even know his words? Are you serving Jesus? I mean, do you have a towel in your hand and are you at at his feet? Are you becoming like Jesus? In every way, in every facet of your life. Do you represent Jesus? the way you conduct yourself, the way you treat people, the things that you love, the things that you value? And are you doing his work? His work was he gave himself to making disciples. Are you making what you're becoming? Jesus' method was basically this. You give me 12 good disciples, I'll change the world. Who are you? What are you doing here? And who are we? And what are we doing here? Let's pray. God, I pray you'd burn this in our hearts. Starting with the great commandment, Lord, that we would love you with everything we have. And you'd continue, Lord, to show us what that looks like. And God, just press this great commission too in our hearts, especially as it applies to crossroads in Grand Rapids, God, that we would be a people that go. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, said Jesus, that we would, we would go in the same way Jesus came to this world. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.